This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. You're listening to Ringgit and Sense and I'm Wong Xiaoning. The government recently proposed a progressive wage policy that will be voluntary in nature and will be incentive-based and productivity-linked. This is on the back of sobering data that over 2 million Malaysians in the formal sector earn less than 2,000 ringgit a month, and for most, their peak salary will only reach 3,500 when they are aged between 40 to 49. Of course, all of us would like to enjoy a higher salary, but what are some of the steps we can take today and also in the future to improve it since progressive wages are just a proposal at this stage? Helping us is Deepa George, Managing Consultant at MyHRC Services. Thank you for joining us, Deepa. Now, you know, it's commendable, like we say, the government's taking steps to address the issue of low wages. But we as employees also need to be proactive to earn higher incomes for ourselves. So how early should we start thinking about our career and also our earning paths? Thanks, Shaoning. This is such an interesting topic for all ages, right? For the young ones, the youth who think they're going to go into workforce, for parents of young kids and what the future looks like. So the short answer, I think that it's never too early to start as long as the cognitive ability of the child is at a reasonable level. So probably secondary school, definitely. Kids should already start exploring, starting by understanding what their interests are and where they can be good at. We all remember the time that maybe we did really well in maths, but it doesn't mean you wanted to be a mathematician or an accountant. Um, So try to start exploring different opportunities. And today with the internet, They can really find so many possibilities out there. Mm. Then using that, they should use some sort of a process of elimination. So if they don't know what they like, at least try to find out what you don't like and be certain of that at least to start with at secondary school. And then look for informal courses. Again, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Instagram, you know, there are so many options of even free programs by very leading premier universities, which have 10 minutes or 20 minute bite-sized programs and anyone can do that. And last but not least, try and think about, you know, as you get closer to maybe 18, 19, what do you want to do? You, you feel that you're somebody who wants a fixed income or you're quite comfortable with somebody some, uh, being someone who's more of a variable income earner. That also gives you different sort of career path streams to think about. So as let's say I'm a young graduate, how should I prepare to enter the working world? I've already graduated, I've got my degree and I want to start on a strong foundation and not just on minimum pay. How do I go about this and what are some of the common requirements from employers that perhaps I should know about? Okay, so the reality is all fresh graduates, if you take away the defining um, academic qualification, of course, right, whether they're first class honours and so on, or the GPA, everybody else is on the same level playing field. So you need to find a way to differentiate yourself. That sounds very simple. Yeah, of course, we know that. But what is your differentiation? So one of the key things is do different jobs, do voluntary work, get involved in mentoring networks. Today, there are so many opportunities and there is just no limit to these choices. And what do employers look for? If you talk about differentiation among behaviours um, uh, for the fresh graduates, definitely one is academic. But if you put that aside, what are some of the testimonies? So do you get a variety of testimonies? You only have character references. So some people actually have references for people who worked in societies together, whether it's university, even from their teachers. So that's the differentiator. And last but not least would be your behaviors. Are you a keen learner? Are you willing to accept feedback? I know this is hard to show perhaps at that stage, but try to get involved in as many things. So mixture of jobs, voluntary work, and mentoring or networking would be the three things I ask them to do. 
What about internships? Where does that fit in? So I would say internships in corporates or even in any organization used to be a differentiator, and it still is, depending what and you know who you, what you do and who you are. Because today it's quite commonplace that universities will tie up with someone for an internship. So you need to mix and match it. The way I'd see it is again is show people that you are more than just what you see on paper. So mix and match your internship with perhaps some sort of a retail outlet work, F and B. You can do. Um, waitering or waitressing. You can also do a corporate internship where you're doing something in a team, whether you're in an administrative role and so on. So you're again showing that you are having a multi-variety of skills. You're trying to show that you are working with people, you're working with systems, you're working with process, with technology and so on. So learn from others and show, take that initiative. And last but not least, I think internship is great. If you show, you can also work with cross-generations. So don't be siloed in your internship. You go into an organization, if there are three generations at work, try and show that you are able to mix um, and interact with people of all generations. Okay, so basically variety is what's going to make your CV pop up. Um, I want to ask you this trillion dollar question for someone looking to get their first job. What is more important, a higher starting salary or should I pay more attention to future growth prospects? What's your advice? What's more important? Um, I guess that's a bit of a loaded question because it depends on what the personal circumstances of this individual is. So to be fair, some of them come and they really need that first job to pay them a decent amount of salary because of their family situation. They may be, um, you know, with retired parents at that stage. You don't know what personal circumstances are. So they end up being the main breadwinner. So that might be a salary number that they're looking at. For others, if they can look at career growth, then they're willing to take a job that might be even below what they you know, qualified in for the short term because they're going to prove themselves it's their dream company and they know that if they excel, they can move up the career ladder faster. So focus first on, I would say, if you have the luxury of choice, focus on finding enjoyable, meaningful work at a entry level because then you can at least decide, oh, this, this industry is not for me. This role is not for me. That's for those who have the luxury. Then you choose which you want. But I do understand some people don't have that choice. They really just need to get the job that pays them the higher. Mm. Okay, so let's say you're in your first few years of employment. Um, I think it's critical to start always looking inwards right, and asking yourself, what are the important areas of improvement? So what should I focus on so that, let's say, I increase my chances of promotion and even earning more? I mean, how, and how important are those aspects to be considered in advancing, like, let's say, my career? Yeah. I think the three things is as somebody joins, they are like a sponge, willing to really just absorb as much as they can. As they progress in their career, I would say you need to continue to focus on three areas. And it's very simple, but it's something that it's not, you know, uh, rocket science, obviously, but just need to bring it from the, you know, uh, back to the forefront of your, your um, awareness, which is keep growing your knowledge. So the theory, because things change so much. You need to make sure that you are willing to keep growing um, and learning, acquiring new knowledge. But that alone is not enough. Make sure you then translate that into some form of skill. If you cannot get the experience, at least get the exposure. Mm. And what do I mean by that? Exposure means be a valid busybody, be a valid capable, go to other departments and see how that knowledge you learned in terms of theory can be used. And last but not least, your attitude. You must always be open to learning, be open to feedback, and be open to even, dare, dare I say, making mistakes, but showing that you've learned from it. 
So errors are not a bad thing. Trial and error is a good thing, provided it doesn't cost too much. Mm. But if you mitigate that well enough, I think you 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 blend that together. You really show you grow in knowledge, i.e. theory. You grow in skill, i.e. exposure, experience. And last but not least, keep a fabulous, open attitude all the time. Would it make a difference if you also, let's say, when the projects you volunteer to lead it or to spearhead it, do companies consider that important? I mean, is that a sign of leadership, future leadership? Uh, definitely, but that assumption would be that your baseline of your current work is going well. Mm. Please don't go and involve in other projects when even your normal day-to-day job is not at a level of excellence. So when you want to start and do extra and above, make sure your current house is in order before you do that. And if you go into leading projects and putting your hand up, try and be somebody who's egoless. And what I mean by that is don't let pride get in the way of you know wanting to prove yourself and so on. So just be, again, this is the time to show not only as a fresh graduate, you are a sponge absorbing things in, but now as a sponge, we want to squeeze the maximum out of you as well. Yeah, and also there's no shame in asking for help or advice when you're Absolutely. unclear, Absolutely. right? Now, Egoless is important, yeah. <laughs> very good advice. Now, um, I think we've, we've talked about skills, experience, but how important are mentors and sponsors at the workplace in advancing your career? Um, I wish I could say you don't need one, but that's completely not true. Mm. I don't think it's compulsory, but is it advantageous? Yes, it is. You need to have somebody who can help you navigate through the nuances of the workplace, who is somebody more senior, but please don't brown nose. So don't become somebody who's going to just, you know, kowtow and do everything that the senior says. That's not the intention. Find somebody you consider a role model, somebody you want to emulate, and then speak to them. Get to know about their journey. Be genuine, be authentic, not just about making it a career um, uh, advancing move, right? You want to be authentic in getting to know them. And most importantly, I would say the question to ask your sponsor is find out what I call their experience map, not their career ladder, not how they moved up, but what experiences and learnings they gained along the way. I think a lot of juniors don't do enough of that. They always ask, so what job did you do first? And then how did you move to the second job? That's not as meaningful because different people may have very different experiences to end up as the COO or CEO. So what you need to do is find out those key defining moments for your sponsor, find out the experiences and lessons they learned along the way and figure out whether there's anything from there that you can um, learn from. And by showing that authentic, genuine interest, I think your sponsors will take notice and be willing to speak well uh, for you. On Ring and Sense today is Deepa George, Managing Consultant of My HRC Services. After the break, how to ask for that raise, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Ringgit and Sense. Joining me today is Deepa George, Managing Consultant for My HRC Services. Before the break, what are some of the things you can do to improve your career? Deepa, I'm sure at some point in someone's career, you're going to have that awkward moment where you think it's time for that salary talk with the boss. So how do you do it? How do you even, you know, start and what should you consider before asking that raise? <laughs> okay, so... This is very interesting because some people really believe, you know, my work will speak for itself. I'm not going to ask for it. And then I think today in this new generation, it's great that people are willing to speak up a little bit more and ask for themselves, but do it in the right way. So back to that, please make sure you check what the um, climate in your organization is. So don't ask for it at a peak period and everyone's really busy and, and then you sort of, you know, bulldoze your way through about that. So for example, I would never ask for this within the first one and a half years into the company. 
when you joined the company, you would have signed an offer and an offer letter that you accepted the salary. So you can't suddenly say, well, I accepted it and I didn't agree with it in the first place. Then you go through one performance review cycle and assuming as a review, a salary increment comes to you. By then it'll be about a year. So then you decide, wait a minute, I don't think I'm being paid my worth. Or I think my job has grown. You give it another six months to see whether the company notices and then you can speak about it. The second thing is show your value today and the future. So it's not just being a good performer today, but find a way to show that you are so agile you're adaptable, you're always willing to learn, you're willing to try new things. So you're showing your leaders, your HR teams that you have future value and you can you know, add um, value create for quite a while. Now, how do you know how much to ask for? Assuming the conversation does go well, the boss doesn't shut you down immediately. Okay, I want to be fair. I want to ask for X dollar. Is there any way to determine what that X dollar should be? Yeah, I mean... One of the traditional ways would be to call a couple of companies that are headhunters um, and get an idea from them. Sometimes they are willing to entertain. Not all will, I know. But at least even if you get one out of five calls to say, hey, I'm you know, currently a finance executive. I'm looking to move. I've got about five years experience and I'm my graduate and so on. And then they'll be able to give you an estimate or at least a guesstimate. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want more validated data, you can go to different things like job boards, whether it's C, you know, the old Job Street, Glassdoor. LinkedIn, there are so many ads out there um, and you can find some advertisements there that give you an idea of the required level and the pay scale. It's, it's quite transparent up there in uh, on the advertisements. Last but not least, of course, speak to trusted friends, ex-bosses, colleagues and other companies. Um, keyword being trusted <laughs> because sometimes people would in- inflate the numbers. But I think if you mix and match these different um, methods, you'll get a general idea. And what kind of tone should you take when that conversation does take place? What are some of the do's and don'ts when you're having that conversation with that boss? So let's start with the do. Let's make sure you talk only about yourself and your value and your future. Please don't compare yourself with others. Even if you by chance or you stumbled upon finding out another colleague's salary and you're appalled at how much lesser you are getting and so on, please remember it's the same system that brought you in, promoted you, that did that. So you have to give benefit of the doubt. So talk about it from yourself, your value, not comparing with others. The second thing is speak about the impact you have created to date. Remember, if you're going to ask for this raise, it's because you feel that you have brought value. So make sure you can show the value. Now, remember, you're talking about the impact, not what you did, but what the result was. Um, And on the same token, do not threaten to leave because that's really not very professional. And last but not least, make sure you share what you consider to be positive organizational views that you appreciate about being there and don't get emotional. So keep it professional. I know we are emotional beings. You can just don't let it come out and manifest. No, those would be the key uh, do's and don'ts. So great if you get that raise, but what happens if you don't? How do you navigate it properly so that you have a chance for another conversation in the future? So if the intention is to have another conversation in the future, you want to give the company a fair chance, the same token, you have to accept that answer graciously. And maybe if you are open enough, you can ask them why. Now, it might be a clear understanding. You know exactly why. Okay, I guess it's because we're going through this change or there's an acquisition and so on and so forth. So show the maturity and professionalism and accepting the answer. That's one. You can also ask, what can you do to change this you know, um, fate in future? Is it too early, boss, if I come back in six months and see whether, can you, can you give me some advice? So ask them to advise on how this can happen, right? The good thing is you've already planted the seed of interest, done it professionally, politely. 
So hopefully somebody is listening if you've shown your value. And then you can ask, are there projects, something that I can do? Is there new skills I need to showcase to prove to you that I'm more than who you just see in front? And then last but not least, check the pulse and ask again in six months to one year from now. Nothing earlier than that. It just leaves a bad taste. They've just told you they can't for whatever reason. But after six months or so, I think it's fair to try again. And assuming your time is up with the company because you just want a new challenge or try a new kind of career or maybe the culture's not right for you, what do you advise to people who, who are considering a lateral move or even a pay cut to try this new job? Is that a smart decision to make? So I assume we're talking about leaving the company to, to take that, right? Because yes. you didn't get what you had internally. I think the first thing is research the role. So if you're going to move outside for a lateral role or a pay cut, but it's a role or it's an industry that's growing. And how do you do that? You find insiders, find ex-staff that you can talk to to find out, make sure that you're able to move up, right? Mm. Second, know what you're giving up. Make sure that you are able to justify also the intangibles other than just the salary. Is it important to you that besides just the salary, you also have that same sort of team dynamics that you miss? You want you have a lovely boss in your current company that you can't imagine having someone else in a different um, supervisory style. So please remember that before you move outside, consider not just what you're gaining from the outside, but what you're giving up. It's much more than just the salary. Balance the risk and the reward. Don't rush. Don't jump the gun. Just do your homework. Okay, and what's the best way of finding a new job? Do you go to all the websites that are out there, like LinkedIn, or do you look for headhunters, or is it the good old word of mouth uh, recommendation which will actually help you get that better paying job hopefully yeah so word of mouth never goes out of fashion mm. that's still great because we're talking about references be it character or personal or professional right but there are so many sites and again the social media has been amazing for that you can go to instagram you can go to linkedin to tiktok and you'll see all these different sites but make sure you plan your timeline so don't apply and start looking for jobs when you're desperate that's really bad, right? Mm. So what you need to do is start doing your research, then you send out your CVs and try and differentiate yourself. Some people even start using videos um, because you can show your personality that comes through it. And then last but not least, consider what you love most currently. Think of what skills you have and what interests you have. And then try and find something that can hopefully blend the two, but at least not too far away from your interest level. So that's how I would say planned it. Now, typically people will move to another job when they offer better pay. But how? But at the same time, because I also hire people and I, I get these CVs where individuals jump every one year. Is that bad or good when you look when, when you consider careers? I guess it really depends on what line of work, number one. Number two is your reasons. And this is something I really recommend all the people um, you know, to do, which is when you know that you moved for valid reasons, put that down in your resume. Nobody puts down their reason for leaving. Only headhunters would put that in when they represent you. But if you're representing yourself and you know for a fact that the reason you left uh, was a valid reason, it was a contract job. So put that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, left for a permanent role because this was a contract role. Don't make people guess. Now, I know I can guess what happened, but I really don't know. I could also assume the worst, right? That you couldn't hold down a job or you weren't interested. It's important to be very clear in your CV about that and the, the short answer around it is I know companies that hire, even though there are job hoppers, I know companies that believe in longevity. I think we need to drill down to the reason why people moved on. And, and that's what matters. 
So finally, what are some of the top attributes that one should always keep working on to stay relevant and demand, any demand, excuse me, when climbing the career ladder so that you can continue to earn that high income? Well, I think um, try to show that as you move up in the career ladder, you are growing as a holistic individual as opposed to a single-skilled person. Try to find areas where you can showcase that you could add value to the company by terms of performance. That means either I can help revenue generate or I can help cost manage, one of the two. Secondly, on process, I can help with improvements, systems, and so on in place. And third, on people. So don't just be somebody who only does sales. Also do sales and process improvement and also be a people manager who, you know, people want to work with you. So that's first. Secondly, communication never goes out of style. But it's not a cliche about communication, but that's because it's true. Be a scalable communicator. You must be able to communicate with the CEO, communicate with the janitor. It doesn't matter. You're able to do it across all levels. And last but not least, something that's completely, I think, undervalued today, but important um, especially with Gen Z being so used to tools that are instantly gratifying, is be a consequential thinker. And what I mean by that is think about all the potential pitfalls, the risk mitigation, and so on. Think about something in the long term. Don't just think about what happens in the near future. I think those are the three things. On that note, thank you for your time today. I'm Regan Sensible's Deepa George, Managing Consultant at MyHRC Services. I'm Moshaning, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.